It's Success Happens on 930 WFMD, blending business and politics. Success Happens with your host, Jen Charlton. Good morning and welcome to Success Happens. This is Jen. It, wow, what a day. This is a day to remember, isn't it? And I'm going to try and get through this without crying, but I, I don't guarantee. You know, I was thinking about, you know, how do we even capture today? And, and, I, and I made a decision to switch the show from having some politicos on to really focusing on the, the importance of today. And I want to say this, though, it's really hard, given what's just happened in the world, to have today not be somehow influenced by the happenings in Afghanistan. So as much as we want this to be a day of remembrance and a day of reverence, we have a disaster on our hands that impacts everybody who gave their life or their limbs or their time and talents and they made it back alive for this effort. And it's impossible to separate the two given what happened over the last several weeks. So I want from my heart to all of yours, from WFMD, from the people sitting in the station with me right now, and to each and every one of you and your families to know that we love you, we appreciate you, we honor you. If you are somebody who experienced working in that effort, we are so grateful. But each and every one of us, are touched, right? We remember. I just got a letter from KC James with Heritage Foundation I read this morning. And she said, I remember where I was. You know, we all remember where we were, right? And it, it is a never forget. As much as people try to brush it under the rug for their political convenience, we will never forget. And we thank you, veterans, for all that you've done. You're amazing. So today we're going to share with you some insights from people I know that I respect immensely and appreciate greatly. Um, Somebody I've known for a while, somebody I just met. And I invite each of you, if you're a veteran, to call in or text to 301-694-9363. We want to hear from you. We ask that you keep it brief so we can share a lot. But if you have something you want to say, if you have something you want to share about your experience as a veteran or first responder, we want to hear from you. Okay? And God bless you. All right? So I just uh, have here in the studio, just walked in, is a, a, a friend and a colleague and somebody I want to go back and just share with you that that my first interview on air was with this gentleman. Time flies, doesn't it? Doesn't it, though? Welcome back, Danny. Thanks for having us. Appreciate it. Yeah. And, you know, Danny, I I was thinking about our first interview, and that, that was so impactful. And, you know, the show has been through lots of iterations, right? 
And we focus on success here. And success looks like sometimes it's just making it through the day. <laughs> yes. Right is. on. Yeah. So, you know, sometimes it's making a lot of money. Um, sometimes it's you have a ton of friends and respect. Yeah. Right. And um, so I thought maybe we could share with people because because you were somebody who worked that day mm-hmm. at the Pentagon. You were a first responder. Would you take us back to your experience of the day? How did you start your day? Mm. And, and, and as it evolved, what happened? Because you didn't start out knowing probably <laughs> you were going to go there and deal with this. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. Uh, I was telling somebody this the other day. I, I, had, I was in a unit called the Old Guard, and the Old Guard's primary mission uh, is drill and ceremony. I did all the burials at Arlington, so I did eight-man casket team, gave commands for the 21-gun salute. Um, and so that unit really never... It's not a deployable unit. Last time that unit deployed was actually in Vietnam, and it lost an entire company. Um, And so, people that are stationed there, you you know, there's it's it's a relatively safe job, you know. And I'd actually been talking to some soldiers at dinner a few nights before, and they were like, "Yeah, nothing ever happens." Blah blah. And I was like, "Hey, you never know. You never know what could happen, right?" And so then. I lived off post, so I was upstairs getting in the off post uh, in the off post room, getting my uniform together. We had a thing called a cordon, uh, where when a foreign dignitary comes over, in this case, I believe it was either the prince or king of Egypt was coming over, and we were just going you go stand there while he walks by, and um, looking all handsome yeah, in your uniforms. Yeah, tried to be uh, put together. So um, it was. Uh, I was sitting there getting ready, and one of the one of my soldiers walked into the room. And he's like, "Man, a plane just hit the World Trade Center." And I honestly didn't think anything of it. I was like, how in the world do you fly into one of the world's tallest buildings? I'm like, you got to be like the worst pilot on earth. But at the time, I'm thinking, okay, you know, this is a prop plane, maybe a little single engineer. So I really didn't think anything about it. So I finished getting dressed, and we went down uh, to the lobby because we were waiting for the bus to come pick us up. And we watched the second plane hit. And I've always told – I tried to explain this. I actually was talking to some high school kids yesterday about it, and it's kind of surreal knowing that they weren't even born at that time. But I said, you know, you really don't see that on American media. Like they never like there's a lot of things American media does that I don't like. But one thing they really don't do, they tend not to show really graphic things on like the local news. And so to see the plane crash live was shocking. uh, It was shocking. It was shocking. It was a plane crash live. But it was shocking that you saw it on the news. And yeah, they catch captured it all real time. That was very interesting. Yeah. How did they have all the cameras positioned in such a way to just capture those? I think just that it was just so just many, like once that first fortuitous. plane hit, the, um, everybody was you know tuned in and looking at what was going on. But they came in and they um, you know and then at that point I'm like, man, this is this is coordinated. But still, you're like, well, we're in D.C. and um, you know that's up there. And then a, a little bit later. I think it was about 30 minutes later because the first plane hits, I think, at 846, and I think they hit the Pentagon at 947 if my timeline is right. Um, they jump in and they say, hey, God busted the door. Man, the Pentagon's been hit. And the unit that I was in, the Old Guard, their secondary mission is securing the Capitol in defense of the Capitol. And so they were like, I mean, I'm 22 years old. I'm a young sergeant. I just got promoted to sergeant. And now all of a sudden you go from – I've got this toy rifle to I'm going to go switch out of my drill and ceremony uniform. I'm going to put on battle dress uniform and I'm going to get issued weapons and ammunition to deploy to a major city in the United States. And, and arguably the city in the United States, the, 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 the point of power and to the Pentagon, which is the epicenter of military might. And so, 
you know, what I tell people is kind of still still crazy to me about that that event was just how confused everybody was, even over official lines of communication. There were people saying, yo, there's another plane coming in to hit the White House. There's car bombs going off in D.C. There's people shooting in D.C. Just all this crazy chatter, and again, over official comms. And so eventually... They're like, okay, well, let's load up in LMTVs, uh, like, oh, uh, basically like a transfer truck, and we rode to the Pentagon. We came around the backside, so you could see the smoke before we saw the front side of the Pentagon. And then we we came around, and I mean, you get hit by this like insane smell because you got to figure there's asbestos, there's insulation, there's jet fuel, there's all the plastics that were in the building, and then of course there's people, and you know it's. Um, to smell people is a is a uh, we'll just say it's a unique thing. Well, it's a it's I I've actually experienced that and it's it's an awful smell actually yeah. when you uh, when you smell human body burning. And so you know we went around and the first thing we did was secure the perimeter. So we secured the perimeter, um, and then you know people always ask me like man you know what's this what's the what's the scaredest you've ever been in your life? Because I've been in as a firefighter, I've been in gunfights and. The scaredest I've ever been in my life was at the Pentagon, actually. We were, it was, it was a beautiful day like today, but it was really, really hot. And so we were doing like 30-minute shifts. And um, all of a sudden, I was taking a nap. And I wake up and I look and the firefighters are literally sliding off of the roof of the Pentagon down the aerial tower. And they're just hauling. And if you've ever watched uh, like a Nat Geo show or you ever seen like fish or, or a herd of, you know, antelope or something, when they see a, a, a predator and they spook and they turn, when the air raid siren went off, because there was, everything was fenced in, there was only one way to get out. And I was on a bit of elevated ground. I watched the crowd of people just, and like in unison, it was just insane. It was surreal. In unison, they just, and the whole crowd made a beeline. What and was it they were afraid of? They thought a plane was coming in. They thought another plane another was coming plane. in. Okay. And so that so, was probably the flight 93 yeah. that was they didn't know where it was at one point. And so it was um, it was crazy because Cedric the Entertainer one time said in the original Kings of Comedy, he said, if people start running, you don't even ask why you're running. You just start running, too. And it was I was honestly disappointed in myself at that time because I got swept up in it. Like it, everyone started running and before I know it, I mean, I was wiping the, you know, sleep out of my eyes and everyone's running and then I pick up and I'm running. And it took about probably 10 steps before I stopped. I like, Man, hold on. I got to get it together. What's going on, um, et cetera, et cetera. But I just kept waiting. I was waiting for the Pentagon to explode. And I was waiting. I was waiting to like get hit in the back of the head with like pieces of debris or something along those lines. But they ultimately uh, put that up. So it's like a take cover or something. Yeah. I mean, everybody was everybody was laid out. And, um, you know, after that, after that section and the fire was officially put out, they did something I didn't I mean, I'm not gonna say I didn't agree with it. I don't understand why they did it. But um, our tent was right on the front side of where the 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 Pentagon was at where the, where the wall had fallen and um, they knew everybody was dead. They knew everybody that wasn't out was dead at that point in time. And, um, but, but for, they hadn't recovered. Everybody. They, we hadn't recovered and we hadn't even started the recovery efforts at that point. And they decided that they would bring the, um, they would bring all, I, all the widows, everybody into um, there. And so the widow's tent was beside our tent. So we just sat there all day, all night, 
and just listen to people sob and listen to the, uh, you know, the various religious leaders try to console them. And we get asked, they were like, hey, um, we need a sergeant and his team to volunteer. And I figured we were just going to go volunteer to move some stuff because Montgomery County's urban search and rescue was down. Um, and so they were in there not only doing the urban search and rescue, but they were also working to shore up the uh, Pentagon. So it was a lot of like, um, you know, we were doing a lot of work where we we're carrying two by fours and they're creating like a, it's almost like a Jenga block is what it looks like around like pillars and stuff to have stability for it. And so I said, hey, man, you know, me and my guys, we'll go. What y'all need? And they said, all right, so come on with us. And um, they take us to the OIC, and the OIC is like, uh, all right, well, uh, the fire is out, and they've got it contained. We're now going to send you guys in to start looking for remains. And so they gave us, um, you know, I had essentially on a, the, the, your regular uniform. They gave me like a pair of what I would call fencing gloves, like I would work on barbed wire fence with. And they gave us essentially the same mask that everyone's wearing right now. And they sent us into the Pentagon. And so we went in, if you remember where the wall uh, uh, shuttered, we went in on the far right. And it was it was extremely bright that day. But when we stepped in, as soon as we stepped into the door, it was like pitch black. So it took your eyes a little while to adjust to the um, light of it. And you, when you finally adjusted, you looked down and there's anywhere from a couple inches to six inches of water on the ground where the fire department would put the fire out. Everything was it was extremely slick because it was so much jet fuel they had used foam to try to to get it down, and even all the way as we were over on the right, everything was destroyed. And what's and I, I can't tell you what they really meant by this. I can only tell you what they told us. Of all the places they the plane could have hit, that hit the best side of the Pentagon. That side of the Pentagon had recently been reinforced again. I don't I don't know what that means, but they're like that's the best place that it could have hit. And so we're walking through and the drop ceilings are down and there's wires hanging and there's rubble everywhere. And we finally come uh, through the right, uh, make a, excuse me, make a left into an open area. And we went into that open area and there's just rubble everywhere. The ATF is there. They're, um, you know, they're categorizing the scene. They got the little yellow placards. And over on the right side, there's a half a person. Uh, over here on thing, you know, there's a, there's a, there's more body parts and there's a, a gentleman that they're working on, uh, that had been decapitated laying on the ground and they pull his wallet out and they say, uh, they say his name and they say his name is Donald Simmons and they do whatever else they're doing to log him. And then they look at us and tell us and say, okay, well you guys can, you guys can take him out. So, we roll him over onto the stretcher. There's like one of those old army green stretchers you've probably seen images of. And uh, there's one of us on each corner and we start carrying him out of the out of the area. And like I said, it's slick. There's rubble everywhere. The whole place is just absolutely destroyed. And every time you step, every time one of us stepped, the other one would slip, the other one would fall. And he just kept rolling over on us. And one of the times he rolls over on us, his hand hits my hand and I look down and he's got a wedding band on it. And I like, man, there's there's somebody right now that is at home, probably on their knees, begging that I'm not carrying this gurney. And I know in the next 24 to 48 hours, either a soldier, sailor, airman, a marine or a state trooper 
is going to be knocking on that person's door and telling them that your you know your husband was murdered in the terrorist attacks and you know for me that that made me angry and then there's all the other you know, we so can, let's take a break on that. And I, I didn't want to interrupt because that's such a powerful story. And I really appreciate your recounting that for us. It's hard to hear, but it, we must hear it. We must never forget. You're listening to Success Happens. I'd like to thank our sponsor, Sweeties on the Creek, KW Photography and Design, Flamingo Pool Supply. All the things were gone. I'd worked for all my life. And I had to start again. Just my children and my wife Thank my lucky stars To be living here today Cause the flag still stands for freedom And they can't take that away Welcome back to Success Happens. This is Jen. And I'm proud to be an American There it is. Where at least I know you know, I'm free We are proud to be Americans. And we are fighting for our freedom right now. And it's just ironic as hell that we're sitting here on the 20th anniversary dealing with what we're dealing with. But, Danny, I want you to continue where you left off, if you would, please, on recounting your day. Yeah, so, you know, um, I, I talked to people and uh, about the experience. And the, 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 the bad part of everything is, like the proof of life that you find. Um, you know, I get asked a lot of, t- I get asked a decent amount or somebody will try to troll me on, uh, on a social media post. Of, you know, it wasn't a plane that hit the Pentagon. Well, I'll tell you what, if your, if your rocket comes with two turbine engines, if it comes with seat belts, birthday cards, teddy bears, people, then yeah, it, it wasn't, it wasn't a, a plane. It was a rocket, but otherwise, it was a plane. People say they didn't find any parts in the Pentagon. That's not true. I, I pulled parts out. Um, their parts were actually uh, uh, stored in a, a parking lot adjacent to the Pentagon uh, as they were doing the recovery efforts. Um, but, you know, you go through, you see something that's that big of an explosion that causes that much damage and death and destruction. And, and what's kind of crazy is the things that survive it. You know, I, I, on the third third floor, we pulled in. Yeah, let's back up for a second. Yeah. Pentagon is, I think, bigger than it appears to be. Oh, it's huge. People <laughs> don't realize that it's, what, five stories or something? I've only been in it one time as far as, like, going in it enough to be able to look at it and see what it is. But it's several stories high. I, I can't speak to 100, but it's probably five to six and it's a fortress i mean and it's supposed to be underground too so i mean yeah i mean there's more to it than meets the eyes what we're saying so so go through what you're i just want to give that perspective so and it's also rings right people don't understand a lot of folks don't understand that if you look at the top of the pentagon looking down it's not one solid building right it's not it's not like this where you enter here and there's a there's a whole continuous building there's rings right and so when the plane came in, the plane punched through the first two rings, and I believe it was the third ring. It stops. Uh, Rocky Ambrose, uh, who's actually going to be speaking with me at Mission Barbecue in a, uh, a little bit, um, he posted a photo of it. It was uh, pretty much a, a perfect circle, probably about the size of this room, maybe bigger, where the fuselage stopped, right? And that was the final punch out for it. 
So it came through and, and hit there. And then a lot of people actually asphyxiated because there was so much fuel in the uh, on the plane. The fireball was so big, it sucked all the oxygen out of out of the place. So some people literally suffocated. Like there were people you found that didn't even, you know, didn't even. They just couldn't breathe. They just didn't even look like they were hurt. I mean, we found a guy yeah. holding the phone um, to his head. But for all of the stuff that happened in, you know, in that moment and what I try to, to people and what I try to explain, I try to just share this with the high school kids and stuff that I talked to yesterday. I, Wait, I would, isn't that a little harsh for high school kids? I, I, I don't or think so. Or you think so. they're ready for it? Um, well, listen, from what I see kids looking at today on the gram, I'm not, I don't, right I don't think anything in there. I think, yeah. I think there's, I think there's realities that have to be shared in my opinion. I'm sure some people disagree with me. Um, that's fine. But I think there's realities you open up with never forget. I guarantee you I can go do a poll right now of 100 people and 98 of them can't tell me when Pearl Harbor happened. Right? And Pearl Harbor had the same mantra. Everybody said, remember Pearl Harbor. Right? Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make myself look dumb too. <laughs> right? I can't tell you the day of the Alamo. Right. I know about the Alamo. Time, but, time heals all wounds. But I couldn't tell you that. But and what was the what was the what was literally the rallying cry coming out of the Alamo? It was remember the Alamo. And so here's the problem with this, and it's why history is cyclic. It's why it will repeat itself. People are gonna forget. People have already forgotten. Right? And it's only I, been twenty years. It's only been twenty years. But I tell you, I, I don't ever want another nine eleven, but I sure would cheer on a couple nine twelves. And I remember leaving the Pentagon, you know, and we would ride back and we took different routes all the time. But I remember look, riding through Washington, D.C., which, you know, I'm sure there's a, a couple words you could use for the mindset in D.C. But, you know, there were American flags on every building. And I don't mean small American flags. I mean American flags that cost thousands of dollars for you to put them up. And it didn't matter what your party was. It didn't matter anything. And what happens is, you know, what what I get frustrated with things is, you know, you talk about Kabul, right? And how that fell and how we're arguing. When the Pentagon happened, I gained like 15 pounds (laughs) that week because Burger King Set an entire restaurant up. You could get a double Whopper meal 24 hours a day for free. You just walked up and got it. Outback Steakhouse. You could get blooming onions whenever you wanted them. Tide came in and set up entire washing laundry rooms. Provided all of the uh, detergent that you could have. You talk about a nonprofit that does amazing work. Um, I fell in love and will always have a deep love and respect and admiration for... um, uh, Salvation Army, because they were in there. They were, I mean, you know, because we didn't have anything. Like, we were all exposed. Like, all the guys that went in, you talk about it, that's forgot. Like, nobody thinks, and listen, I'm not complaining. I'm not mad about it, but just the reality. Nobody, Nobody's checked in on the 120 of us that went into the Pentagon. I have to take shots every month, or my skin literally looks like concrete. Must all of us have those problems? All of us from have from the toxic fumes. Yeah, I mean, you have so you have everything. I mean, literally, we went in with a paper mask and we were breathing jet fuel. Yeah. People, the, yeah, it's actually amazing when you look back at the nine eleven workers up in up in um, 
Many of them have died of cancer yeah. up in uh, New York. We, ha- we need to take a quick yep. break. Uh, stay with us, Danny. Sure. You're listening to Success Happens. Whatever you do today, please take a moment of silence wherever you are to remember those who have fallen, who have served, who still serve. I want to give you an opportunity also to go see, tell people where you're going to be at Mission Barbecue and what that event is. Please. Yeah, Mission Barbecue had asked a couple of us to come speak at the event. So we're going to be going to... Um, Which location? Right here in Frederick. The one in Frederick off of, his, uh, off of Buckytown. Okay, guys. And what time does that start? Uh, we'll be ta- over there at, talking at 1040 right before they open. All right, so so get there, guys, around 1030 or so. Support Danny, support the veterans, support Mission Barbecue barbecue great organization they are great food great food and also i want to invite you to come be with me and uh delegate dan cox who's running for governor we will be in mount airy this afternoon at four o'clock try and come early parking may be an issue it's a day of remembrance september 11th uh this is a second year that they're doing this and there will be many uh great people there. So please come join us from 4 to 6.30 at Mount Airy at Baker uh, Simpson Bowls Park. And we'll be right back. And I'm proud to be an American where at least I know I'm free. And I won't forget the men who died, who gave that right to me. And I gladly stand up next to you. Welcome back. Welcome back to Success Happens. And you know what? This is a time to stand up, to stand up proudly for who we are as a nation and never forget. And thank God for people like Danny Farrar, who's sitting in the studio with me today. And Danny, you've gone on to be a, a, you know, a great success in, in so many ways with what you've done with your business. And you've set an example for a lot of people. I, I think that one of the things that strikes me that's challenging and I'd like for you to share about your project with uh, Goodwill because I think that we take for granted that people leave and they come back the way they left and doing the human services work that I do I know that that's not so and this whole PTSD thing is not limited to people who serve Women who have suffered domestic violence go through it. Uh, Anybody and a child who's witnessed a murder goes through it. PTSD happens to every human being in different and varying degrees. And you can say that some days it's a way that we remember and we say, okay, that will never happen again. It informs us. But when it no longer informs us, but it stands in the way for us to function in society then it is this severe PTSD that that cripples us. And you're doing an amazing project with helping veterans reenter the workforce. Could you talk to people about that? Yeah, we're super pumped about it. So we partnered up with Goodwill of Monoxie Valley, which uh, they actually ended up joining, merging with Goodwill of Arizona, which was a huge, I mean, it's fortuitous because because of COVID, the price of everything just went through the roof. Um, and it like you still can't get some materials, which is why the center was actually slated to open earlier. But some stuff went over. We're late in. So we're looking early part of next year. 20, yeah, the uh, price 22. of wood went up like 800 it's, it's, percent or it's something. An, it's it's insane. 400 percent. But what we found out was when we started off and we started off as an awareness movement uh, to make people aware of the veteran suicide epidemic. Veterans account for and this is if you take all of us, World War Two all the way up, we account for 7 percent of the population. But we account for almost 20% of the nation's suicides. But what we started to realize was 
that people were having a hard time transitioning back. So we wanted to create the very first ever Platoon Veteran Services Center. So it's a 20,000 square foot uh, services center. Uh, the Maryland's Department of Veteran Affairs will actually be moving out of the courthouse into our building. We'll see between 3,000 to 3,500 veterans through year one. And I know you're pressed on time, so I do want to share this uh, thing that's super important. If you are a veteran that's out there, and I, I predominantly talk about suicide, but since we talked about this other thing, it's, it, it's imperative that you know this. TAPS, which is a transitional uh, uh, support program, it's another nonprofit, recently did a report, and they fully expect deaths from burn pits to eclipse suicide as the number one killer in veterans within the next few years. What's burn pits? So burn pits is the, the way that they do it is when you're over there, you've got to get rid of waste. And so they dig these slint trenches, they put them in these things, they mix in jet fuel, every, every ounce of human waste, everything you can come up, they put in there and they burn them. And it's extremely toxic. And the cancers that you develop from this exposure are very, very rapid. They kill you quickly. And so my thing to veterans, especially those of you that are, are concerned about the VA healthcare system, reach out to us. We need to get you involved in the VA healthcare system. A, suicides are dramatically lower for those that are involved in the VA healthcare system. But here's the main thing. I want you to put your pride away because it's not a benefit. It's veterans workers comp. The reality is you have the issues that you have because of a job you decided to do. As a small business owner, if my employees get hurt, I cover it for the work that they got hurt on. I don't want, I, I hope whoever listen, you never get the cancer. But the reality is, is if you get one of these diseases from exposure, it's, it's going to be too late to try to apply for your benefits. And it's not about you. It's about your family. It's about your children, about your loved ones. Make sure that you are in the VA healthcare system. If you need help doing it, please reach out to us, platoon22.org. Uh, my email is danny at soldierfit.com. Please reach out to us because we want to get you involved in the VA healthcare system because the day is going to come where you can't drink water, take 800 milligrams of ibuprofen, take a knee and face out and be enough. You're going to need actual medical help. I want to make sure you're ready to get it when you need it. That's awesome, Danny. Thank you for bringing that up. Now, what about people who want to support you financially in this effort? How can people give to the cause of either suicide prevention or this new center? Um, they're really given to both uh, when they donate to us. So it's platoon22.org. You can donate right there at the website. I actually, if you go to my web, uh, my Facebook page, I shared a, a tribute video to 9-11 today. Uh, you can donate to us through Facebook in that way. Uh, whatever it is that you feel like giving, every single solitary dollar counts. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, my gosh. Thank you so much for your service and what you've done.